All right, guys, today we're going to be starting in Proverbs. We're going to do a lot of bouncing around today, so be prepared. Uh, hopefully most of it's on the screen so you can follow along, unless you're really quick with your Bible sword drill. But we're going to be doing uh, Proverbs to start with in chapter 19. So you've got about the middle of your Bible, you've got Psalms, the book of Psalms, and right after that you've got Proverbs. So we'll be in Proverbs 19. Uh, this is an incredible, incredible verse. I hope it's a good one to memorize, a good thing to remember. So we'll start there with reading that verse, and then we'll come back to what today is about. Hopefully I can encourage you with this too. Proverbs chapter 19 in verse, I uh, think that should say verse 17. I'm sorry, a little typo there. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Okay? Today is what's known as the Sanctity of Life Sunday. So let me give you just a brief little background on this so you kind of know when we hear that term, Sanctity of Life Sunday. On January 13th of 1984, uh, President Reagan issued a proclamation designating January 22nd as the first National Sanctity of Human Life Day. January 22nd, 1973, was the day the U.S. Supreme Court legalized abortion on demand in all 50 states. So that's why the January 22nd date, okay? Churches around the United States use this day to celebrate God's gift of life, to commemorate the many lives lost to abortion, and to commit themselves to protecting human life at every stage. Now, where I was really challenged, uh, not this past fall, but the year before, Remember, we were doing that whole series in his image. If you look at some of the slides today, you'll see that on the bottom. And there, remember, we realized that, hey, sanctity of life is not just about the unborn, but the unborn is one of our primary focuses, right? But sanctity of life is also about those in the nursing home. It's also about the refugee and the immigrant. It's also about those in prison. And today, what we're going to really focus on, it's also about the homeless, okay? And so a lot of this message is that, that picture, some of it is review about the idea of poverty, and it's a picture of how do we help people in poverty when the Lord has blessed us. And I want to kind of challenge you by some of the scriptures. These scriptures are amazing, the promises that are tied to people who are generous to the poor. We're going to look at those things. Um, is anybody else a movie buff besides the preacher? I seem to like a lot of movies. Now, I have a certain level that I only watch, you know, these ratings, whatever, but I watch way too many movies. Um, a couple movies recently that I have seen that really have impacted my thinking on homelessness are pretty, pretty interesting. The first one was called The Soloist, and so it has a little language in it, but it's Jamie Foxx is one of the lead characters in it. If you ever get a chance to read it, it's a really amazing way to think about how to befriend the homeless rather than try to fix them. Do we have any fixers in the building today? Your preacher is a complete fixer, all right? My whole life, I come from a long line of fixers. I see a problem, you're in a bad situation, we're going to make you up and take your life and 
wrap it up in a bow and we're going to make you wonderful. (laughs) And this movie is a reminder that when you serve the homeless, it's not about fixing them. And it's very powerful. So if you're interested in that kind of thing. And then this last week, it actually happened to me last Monday. Wendy had me watch this movie. She thought I'd already seen, but my mom and her had seen not too long ago. It's called The Same Kind of Different as Me. And it is actually a Christian-themed movie about dealing with the homeless. And so today through the message, I'll be sharing a few quotes from some of these movies, and really from not so much the movie, but the authors of these books, as we think about dealing with the homeless. But if you want to kind of challenge your heart about what you can do to really minister, those are two good things that I think will move your emotions, kind of tug you, and maybe get you thinking about what you can do on on these things here. Um, Here's the first quote I wanted to share with you today. It's from Ron Hall, and he's actually the man who was rescued, if you will, in the same kind of different as me. Some of his language you'll tell by the way it is that he, is, uh, he was the homeless person, but just kind of understand that's, that's the quote that they're giving. This first one is pretty good. He says, most people never really sat down and got to know a homeless person, but every homeless person is just a real person that was created by God, and it is the same kind of different as us. They just have a different story. And one of the things that really comes across in his testimony is that most homeless people, what they really want is they want to be visible. They want to be seen. Now think about it with, your preacher's horribly guilty of this. Maybe some of you have been too, I don't know. You pull up to the stoplight and the panhandler's out there. And he's shaking, he may have a sign, we'll work for food or whatever, or can you spare anything? And you pull up, And if the light is just turning red, you gun it to get through the light, right? And if you can get in the other lane that's the farthest lane away from him, you get in the farthest lane, right? And if you accidentally have to be in that lane and he's close by, you just keep looking straight ahead, don't you? Don't make eye contact, right? Anybody ever done that before? You don't have to raise your hand. Your preacher has, okay? And we know the opposite side of those things. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We know that sometimes people abuse that. We know that some people are cheats and scandals and those kind of things. But we also know sometimes we're just really uncomfortable in that situation. And somebody that maybe is just trying to be seen, (laughs) we still make it so that they're not seen to us. I want you to think a little bit about that today and the way you relate in those situations. Again, today I'm going to review many scriptures about the poor and about generosity And my prayer for you today is that the Lord will guide you as you live to share the gospel and live the gospel by sharing with the poor. Can you hear that again? I want you to live to share the gospel, live to speak it, to share it, to give it out. But I also want you to live the gospel, which means that we should be generous and kind to the poor that the Lord has placed in our lives. One other quote here real quick. The biggest misconception about the homeless is that they got themselves in the mess, let them get themselves out. Many people think they are simply lazy. I urge those to make a friend at a local mission and find out how wrong these assumptions are. Right? And kind of real quickly, apply that to yourself and your sin mess. Who got you in your sin mess? Yeah, We could blame Adam and Eve a little bit, but really, most of it falls on us, right? Who's going to get you out of your sin mess? Can you dig your out of your sin mess? Can you dig yourself out of that hole? <laughs> you had to have a helper. You had to have a savior, right? 
And so as we think about people that maybe have made some mistakes and put themselves in a hard spot, instead of saying, you got yourself in that mess, you just have to get yourself out, maybe we need to reach down a hand and lift them out, right? Today, you guys hear me out very clearly. You guys are amazing. The way that this took off last year in our hearts, that we saw that we could just do simple things to show act of love and kindness, and you guys have responded so well. So don't think, I'm not trying to guilt you into anything today, okay? What I want you to do is hear the words of the Lord, hear some people speaking about homelessness, and continue to ask the Lord, what is my role in this, Lord? What do I need to do to be used of you? Again, I think one of the harder things that we have to deal with is thinking that someone is getting one over on us. Anybody have any pride problem like that? We don't want to be walked on. We don't want to be cheated. We don't want our benevolence or our kindness to be misused, right? And I'm, I'm with you there. I feel that feeling. Most of us here today, I would say, all of us here today, I would say we want to help others, but we don't want to be taken advantage of. And we usually don't want to help people who could be helping themselves. Amen? Right? Usually somebody that could be helping themselves, we don't want to be doing work that they could be doing and learning and growing. I understand those things and I have those same thoughts. And at the same time, we don't want to enable bad behavior, right? And some people will even say about what we've been doing that this is you're enabling people. They'll even say those kind of things. But what I want to challenge you with today, truthfully, again, examine your own motives. Are you just making excuses? For example, if you say, well, the the panhandler, I don't want to feed into that. Maybe they're a scandal and a cheat, and I I just don't want to be a part of that. But are you actually putting your funds and your energy and your resources that are helping people that are without those homes, without really good mental health conditions, right? Or are you just using that as an excuse so that you don't have to contribute, you don't have to help? That's all I'm asking. You be checking your motives today. I'm not checking your motives. You let the Lord check your motives today. Again, most importantly, we heard this even in Sunday school again this morning. We are called to love, and we must follow the Spirit's lead in loving those He has placed in our lives. Uh, Be reminded the Lord is watching. I was really challenged about this idea of the Lord is placed in our lives. A lot of times I use an excuse, well, in my world, I don't really see anybody that needs food or a house. I live in Hamilton County, I live in one of the wealthiest counties in all the Midwest. I mean, if anybody needs help, it's Wendy and I. We don't have the $500,000 house. Ours is barely over $100,000. Right? And yet, I live 15 minutes away from probably somebody who spent the night last night outside. So sometimes when we talk about the people the Lord has placed around you, it means you have to get a little further out of your zone to recognize that there are people the Lord needs us to minister really where we live, okay? I don't have to go to India to find somebody who's hurting. Uh, I can make a 20-minute trip downtown. Probably don't even have to go that far. There's even a few homeless in Noblesville, believe it or not, of all places, right? This is an awesome quote. Look at this quote here. This again from Ron Hall. You never know whose eyes God is watching you through It might not be your teacher, your preacher, or your Sunday school teacher. More likely, it's going to be that bum on the street. If God only saw you through the eyes of the homeless man on the corner, what would he see? 
That's challenging, isn't it? <laughs> Would he see a heart that is trying to follow the Holy Spirit? Would he see a heart of love and mercy? Or would he see a heart that is judgmental and selfish? All right. Again, I know I'm speaking to some amazing people who are incredibly generous, but let the Lord speak to your heart today and let him guide how you live and share the resources that the Lord has given you. They are his resources after all, right? Okay, let's jump in a little bit more in some scriptures here. Proverbs, again, this time chapter 31, if you want to flip over to Proverbs 31, since you're already in the book of Proverbs. Look at verse 8 of 31. This is that idea that we need to stand up sometimes for people who can't stand up for themselves. Proverbs 31.8, Solomon writes, he says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Speak up for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge how? Judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. So on the sanctity of human life today, we can think about all those spectrums, can't we? Who do we need to speak up for? Do you remember when we talked about the nursing homes and we said that, that 80% of nursing home visit, of people, nursing home residents, they don't have a visit within a year. They don't have one visit within a year. 80%. Who's going to give those people a voice? Right? We're still seeing 900,000 uh, babies that are aborted on a yearly basis. 900,000. It's, it's, it's a good thing that it's way down from like 1.5, 1.6 million. That's good news. But to think that there's still almost a million babies that are aborted every year, who's going to speak up for them? Who's going to speak up for the poor student or parent that doesn't have the English language, that they escaped from a horrible environment where their very life was in danger, or maybe they came through all the right channels and here they are, but they have no language skills whatsoever. Who's going to speak up for them? And who's going to speak up for a person who has such a severe mental illness that they're living on the streets, right? Speak up, judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Today, ask the Lord what role you're to play, okay? Some of you maybe need to be more involved in um, the, against abortion, the pro-life movement. Some of you may need to be more involved in nursing home setting. Some of you may want to go a little further into a servant's heart and handing out food and helping to prepare there and to, and to serve there. I don't know what the Lord has in store, but we need to live a life that is defending the rights of the poor and needy. Again, another quote this morning, Ron Hall speaking to Denver, the person and his wife that befriended them. He says, you was the onlyest person that looked past my skin and past my meanness and saw that there was somebody on the inside worth saving we all has more in common than we think. You stood up with courage and faced me when I was dangerous, and it changed my life. You loved me for who I was on the inside, the person God meant for me to be, the one that had just gotten lost for a while on some ugly roads in life. Right? I'm not going to say this is clean, and I'm going to say there's no risk. There is risk when you're helping people in prison and you're helping people who are addicted to drugs and you're helping people even in a nursing home setting, right? You're helping the refugee, you're helping the homeless. There can be risk there, can't there? Okay, that's why we've got to be spirit-led. We don't want to do things on our own. We want to follow the Lord's leading. But at the same time, we don't want to just draw back because there might be some risk or it might be a little dirty. We need to stand up and defend the rights of the poor and needy. 
We need to love and give even when things may not change. Let's look in Deuteronomy just briefly this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. Again, a lot of scriptures today. Hang with me. But they're good passages to remind you about benevolence and generosity and taking care of the poor and the needy. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. The scripture says, Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Look at verse 11. Does this sound familiar? Jesus spoke this as well. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. All right. Did you catch the, far, the end of there, verse 10? It says that the Lord will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to when you give with an open heart. Isn't that a good promise? That's a reason for us to be generous, to know that the Lord will guide the other works that we're doing if we live with an open hand and an open heart. You guys, we have dealt with this so much in prison ministry, it's not even funny. We go in there and we speak to these guys, and we know going in that most of them, when they get out in jail, not necessarily prison, but when they get out of jail, most of them are going to make their way back into that jail. That's the statistics. That's what's going to happen. And some people will say, well, why would you waste your time doing that? Why would you go in there and try to give them the gospel when you know that probably 70, 80% of them won't be very long and they're going to be right back in the same spot? Because we know about the other 20 to 30% that every now and then when they get a hold of Jesus, their life completely changes. We've had guys who were in the jail come back into the jail with our group to speak the gospel. (laughs) That is why we do it. All right? The hard part, I think, for us as believers sometimes is we have to leave the results up to the Lord. And we don't like to do that, do we? I want to see the results. I want to know what my whatever went to, and I want to know how it impacted things. And I want to know that I'm doing, I'm doing this good work. And when you walk into a lot of these ministries, you may never know the results of your work. As a matter of fact, that's kind of what church is like too, by the way. Sometimes coming in here, you may not realize, and we don't know 40, 60 years. We don't know about Andrew's grandkids. We don't know about Bella's grandkids. We don't know about David and Jacob's grandkids. How's their life going to be different because of something right here? We have to leave the results to the Lord. So I'm asking you today to think about that. Again, live in a way that you're generous and the Lord will bless the work of your hands. Um, It would be incredible to see poverty be extinguished, wouldn't it? But Moses wrote this. Jesus said the same thing in his day. Do we still have poor with us today? Guess what? We're always going to have poor. All right? That doesn't mean we don't try to put an end to poverty and we don't fight it, but it's always going to be here. So we need to live uh, generously and we need to give as the Lord leads. So again, what we really want to focus on here is we want to be generous to the poor. Be generous with your time and abilities, not just your money. The Lord's blessing will rest on the generous. Have you ever just given your money so you didn't have to give your time? (laughs) Right? Am I the only one that's done that? Hey, could you help us out in this over here? We could really use you to come this day and go. No, but here's $10. Right? Even this week, we had two little boys last weekend who, who they shoveled our sidewalk. They were, they were only charging $2. I thought that was a great deal, but we gave them a little more than that, right? 
But you know what I'm talking about, right? Somebody hits you up and really could use you as a volunteer in order to get out of volunteering, you just put down some cash. Okay, here's what I'm challenging you today. Not, not you should give your cash as the Lord leads. I'm not saying that. Think about how you're giving of yourself. All right, how are you giving of yourself to the people the Lord has placed in your life who are needy? Again, back to Proverbs 22, verse 9. All these wonderful promises. The generous will themselves be what? They will be blessed. Anybody want to be blessed today? <laughs> be generous and be blessed. Now, that kind of goes against some of the world's thinking, doesn't it? No, no, you need to keep it yourself. Make sure you take care of yourself first. You do take care of yourself, and then, you know, you'll have prosperity. The Lord says, be generous. The people that are blessed are those who are sharing their food with the poor. So again, today I ask you, and we are, as a corporate group today, individually, are you sharing your food, and I would add your lives, with the poor? Isaiah chapter 58 says this. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Can I just, this is preacher talk here, right? Here with me today, guys, but this is what I think. If we continue to love and serve our community like we're trying to do here, the Lord will light up what, his name through this place. He will be exalted. All right, be faithful in that. Again, the promises of the Lord are clear. Look at the blessing and the promise to those who work on behalf of the hungry and the oppressed. Proverbs eleven twenty four. a good comparison here. Verse 24, one person gives freely, yet what happens to them? They gain even more. <laughs> Another withholds unduly, but what happens to them? They come to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I so wish you guys could have met Wendy's Uncle Tim. Oh, man. This guy is one of the wealthiest guys ever met. He had these massive campers, and he would take on trips. He would do elk hunts in Colorado and Utah. Uh, he had so much farm equipment, I mean, you know, millions of dollars in combines, which that's not, not hard to do if you have to have farm equipment. <laughs> thousand acres of land that he farmed and probably the most generous person I've ever known in my life, right? One person gives freely, yet what do they gain? Even more. The Lord knows those who are generous and it's easy for him to give them resources because he knows that they'll take those resources and they'll magnify his name and bless his name because they won't cling to those resources, right? Have a generous heart today. This next section, briefly, God identifies with the poor. Think about this with me a little bit. A couple of passages that you're again familiar with. Our passage we started out with this morning, again, is verse 17, not verse 7. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to who? Lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. If Jesus was down on the circle today, at Meridian and he hadn't had a place to sleep last night and he hadn't had anything to eat yesterday would any of you make the trip down there to get him some food to get him something to drink get him a blanket <laughs> preacher that's the silliest question anybody ever asked right whoever is kind to the poor lends to the to the Lord think about that right how would you like to lend to the Lord? 
but into the poor. Another passage, really familiar passage, one we talk about at our jail ministry all the time. Matthew 25, at the end of time, there's the sheep and the goats is what Matthew writes that Jesus says. And in Matthew 25, verse 35, Jesus says this about the sheep. He says, uh, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger and you invited me in. And I needed clothes and you clothed me. And I was sick and you looked after me. And I was in prison and you came to visit me. Lord, when did we see you hungry? Lord, when did we see you thirsty? Lord, when did we see you naked and take you in? Lord, when did we see you sick? Or Lord, when did we see you in prison? When you did it unto the least of these, my brothers, Jesus says, you did it unto me. If that isn't an impetus for us as a church to go and serve those in need, I don't know what else to do with you. (laughs) Right? Jesus says, when you do that unto the least of my brothers, you're doing it unto me. Again, it could be the persecuted church. It could be the nursing home down the street. It could be the young mom who's gotten herself in a mess and doesn't know how she's going to take care of that little baby and is debating about ending its life. It could be the homeless guy on the street. It could be the refugee that's moved into the apartments down the road, doesn't know a bit of English. It could be any of those groups of people. It could be the guy in jail. And Jesus says, when you did it unto the least of these, you did it unto me. Be generous. So let's do this. Let's lay up treasures in heaven. Anybody want to do that? Uh, my stock market portfolio is not very good, so I'm just going to work on my eternal one. How's that sound? Okay. How do you lay treasures up in heaven? Well, <laughs> look at this. One way is by giving to the poor. First off, stop putting your trust in riches. Matthew chapter 19, verse 20. You guys, I don't want to have to hash the whole story, but I think you know it pretty well, right? Let me hash a little bit of it so we're on the same track. This man comes to Jesus. He's a young man, an up-and-coming person politically. He is climbing the political ladder. He has some good influence. He is a ruler of sorts. He has a lot of money at his disposal. And yet he is still interested in spiritual things. What a guy, right? I mean, Casey, that's a pretty good guy, isn't it? He's rich, he's young, he's good looking, and he's trying to learn about Jesus. That's what we're looking for, right? And guess what? He comes to Jesus and says, How, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, do you obey the commandments? And he says, all these I have kept since I was a young man. What do I still lack? Verse 20. And he's expecting the pat on the back. Oh, I'm good, Lord. I'm good, Lord. Because that's all he's been getting is a lot of pat on the backs. Look at verse 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You're so close, son. You just got to do one thing. That's it. One thing. And what's the rich young ruler do? Verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Do you want to lay up treasure in heaven? Then you got to stop having your heart be all about laying up treasure here. If Jesus came to you today and said, I need you to sell all you have 
go ahead and give it to the poor, and then I want you to go to Russia, or I want you to go to China, or I want you to go to Iran, or I want you to go to Yemen, or I want you to go to Saudi Arabia. Would you do it? Wow. That's a big ask, isn't it, right? See, it's easy for us to kind of condemn the rich young ruler. Oh, why didn't you do what Jesus said? It was Jesus speaking to you. Why wouldn't you do what he said? But when you kind of put it in those terms for us, we're like, well, Lord, are you sure about it? I don't think I'm hearing you right. You know, I should serve the Lord where I am in my three-car garage with my four TVs and my couple of pets and, you know, my good education and my fancy meals. And I can serve the Lord there, right? I can make a trip every now and then to people need help. Right? Woo. Be careful. I'm preaching to me more than you, way more to me than to you. Okay? One thing he lacked, and that was he was so tied to his money that he couldn't follow the Lord. You want to lay up treasures in heaven? You got to change that mindset. Generosity flows from faith. Let's look in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Again, some great verses from the Lord himself. Luke chapter 12. Verse 32, the Bible says, Do not be afraid, little flock. Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That's a whole sermon in itself. We're not going to go on from there. Verse 33, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Verse 34, Write this one down, memorize it, stick it somewhere. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? That is so true today, folks. Where's your treasure? That's where your heart is. If something's happening to Brooklyn or Isaiah, what's going on in Wendy's heart? It's beating a lot faster and it's anxious and it's scared because that's her treasure. Of all the treasures she might have in the world, that is really her treasure. Those two kids are her treasure. And that's where her heart is, right? The same thing can be applied spiritually. Where is your treasure? What are you most worried about breaking in your house? Oh, man, don't, don't touch that guitar. I've spent way too much money. I worked way too hard for that thing. Is it your television set? Is it your internet is it some China piece somewhere? Do you have that special vase in one room that you make sure that nobody goes in that room because you're afraid the kids will break it? Where is your treasure? And I want to tell you today, I think some of our treasures should be in that back room that right now there's uh, two people, two adults in there with our treasure, right? And our heart needs to be for them and beat about them and love them and guide them and, and serve them. But we also need to see the treasure in being generous, be rich in good deeds. We're almost done, folks. Hang in there with me. Just one more here, Scripture, and we'll finish up. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. This is Paul talking to Timothy about the churches there that he is pastoring and leading. And Paul says to Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world, that would be us, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Everybody know that, right? Wealth is so uncertain. But put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God will meet your needs. Verse 18, command them to do good, 
to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and be willing to share. And look at verse 19. I'm not making this stuff up. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Would you be willing to be poor for 80 or 90 years so you could be unbelievably wealthy for eternity? Right? That's what the Lord is commanding his people. Hey, let your focus be where it needs to be. And again, I'm balancing this out this morning. I hope you're hearing me with that. Like Uncle Tim's such a great example. There are some people that are very wealthy in this life that will be wealthy in the next life too, <laughs> right? But for most of us, what we need to do is let our heart and let our single passion be on being generous to those the Lord puts in our life. All right, I want to conclude with this this morning. This is one final quote from that Ron Hall from Denver Moore from their book, that same kind of different. And this really made me think today, and I think it will encourage you as well. Ron Hall, he quotes this. He, said, or he says this, If all the Christians, I mean all of them, if all the Christians got out of the pews on Sundays and into the streets, we'd shut the city down. Look at what he says here. We'd shut down hunger. We'd shut down loneliness. We'd shut down the notion that there is any such of a thing as a person that don't deserve a kind word and a second chance. (laughs) Isn't that good? Right? Yeah. Hear the preacher this morning. We need to come into the pews. We all of us need to hear the word of God. We need to worship together. We need to pray together. We need to give and share together. But what you guys are doing that is so impressive is we need to get out into the streets. And if we can get all the Christians out of the pews and into the streets, we will change our community for the Lord. All right. What will your part be in changing the world around you? Ask for the Lord's leading in how you can share the graces that you've been given. And I just wanted to close with this last little line that we did every Sunday about two years ago. It was so challenging to me, and that is look to see Christ in everyone you meet. Look to see Jesus in everyone you meet. If it's in the nursing home, Look for the Lord. If it's at the jail, look for the Lord. If it's down on the street, the panhandler guy, the, the bum that we might say sometimes, look for the Lord. If it's a person that's a different color than you, a different race than you, look for the Lord. All right, look to see Christ in everyone you meet. If you will have those kind of eyes, it will, it will make your life exactly what it needs to be to please the Lord. All right. Let's stand this morning. Thank you so much for your patience.